God, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the promise of that day to come when there will be no more crying or death or mourning or pain for all things will be made new. God, we bless you that we can have that hope as a certainty uh, by the faith that you have given us. So pour out your spirit on us again, God. Rekindle faith in us. Cause our faith to grow. Help us know you and know of your love for us that we might reflect you and your love to the world. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, celebrating uh, All Saints Day kind of begs the question, what's a saint? And I, I wonder what comes to your mind when you hear that, hear that word. Um, you know, in, in the Roman Catholic Church, there's quite a formal process for uh, being named a saint and attaining the status of, of sainthood. It's, uh, it's quite a thing to read about, actually. It's, it's very interesting. But in, in that understanding, a saint would be a, a truly extraordinary spiritual person who led a truly extraordinary spiritual life and did truly extraordinary spiritual things. Is that what it means to be a saint? I mean, we just read the list of our friends and, and family members who've died to this life in this church. That would seem to telegraph the idea that a saint is a Christian who has died. Is that accurate? Is that a saint? Of course, the cultural understanding. Oh, he was a saint. Oh, she was a saint. And there's a whole different meaning there, right? Uh, so what's a saint biblically? You know, the, the English word saint comes from the Latin word sanctus, which was the word used to render the original Greek word hagios, which literally means holy or set apart. That's, that's what holy means, by the way. is not just super really good, but set apart for special use or, or a special purpose. And, and, and that's a big part of the big story of the Bible, Uh, Because the big story is that God is working out his redemptive purpose in the world through a redemptive community of people that isn't better than anybody else. It's just that they've been set apart for a special purpose, to work with God in his redemptive work in the world. So our calling as Christians is not simply to enjoy the blessing, uh, the blessings we receive by faith and, and in Christ, but to bless the world, right? The, the two big themes of the Bible, seek the Lord and bless the world. Uh, so a saint really is a Christian, a follower of Jesus of any time, really. The, the, one of the verses we just sang in, in For All the Saints gets to that. Oh, blessed communion, fellowship divine, we saints here feebly struggle, they those saints there in glory shine, yet all are one in thee, for all are thine. We all belong to Jesus, whether we're here or there, right? Very clear teaching of scripture. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a saint, for all are one in Christ. But, but today we do have this kind of special emphasis on those who've gone before us in, in life and in death. Uh, so the scripture for the day, uh, for the scripture of the day, I've chosen Hebrews 12, just the first three verses. So let me read that uh, for us. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Friends, indeed, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, you know, we're just uh, coming off the Romans series, the, the kind of four chapters, uh, uh, chapters five through eight that we focused on. And we saw that the word therefore appeared quite often. So I hope you already know what to do with that. You know, whenever you see that word in the Bible, it means probably that what comes next is the logical conclusion of what came before. And in this case, that which came before is the entire chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, a rather famous chapter about uh, people of faith who have preceded us in in life and death. And, And that chapter begins with this verse. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. What a great scripture. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And then there follows in that chapter a list of people who demonstrated confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And the text calls this crew a cloud of witnesses a kind of spiritual cloud cover. But this doesn't make things dreary and dark. This, thing, this, makes, this cloud cover makes things bright and clear. Right? The text says that this cloud of witnesses, this group of people who demonstrated such faith have died to this life, surround believers today. We're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And I, I wonder what picture has come into your mind as you've engaged this passage previously. If you have, if it's new to you, that's just fine. But if you've read it before and and brought an image to mind, I I wonder what image came to your mind. Have you, like many, read that and and thought of the bleachers of heaven? You know, packed with those saints who've gone before us, watching Christians in this world as we seek to follow Jesus in, in this life. Um, maybe, I'm not sure about that. But I think that image alone kind of misses the point. Uh, because the, the point isn't really that um, they're witnesses that way. They're not witnesses in the sense so much as they're watching us, says one commentator. Rather, they are witnesses in the sense that they bear witness to the Christian community of God's faithfulness and of the effectiveness of faith. They're not looking at us, we're looking to them (laughs) for their example and and their encouragement in in this way of of faith. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, I take that word great to refer to two things. It's a big group, yes, but they were great in another sense. 
They lived and walked by faith. Really. So since such a huge and important group of people have gone before us and shown us the way of faith, we should, says the author of Hebrews, throw off hindrances, run with perseverance, and look to Jesus. Look at the next verse. Throw off hindrances. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. That, that word throw off literally means put aside, get rid of, throw in the dumpster. What are we to get rid of? Two things, says the text. Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You know, Paul's using a running metaphor in this uh, scripture, you know, run the race with perseverance, you know, that, that bit. Uh, and being a runner, I can speak to this. Runners know about things that hinder them. In fact, runners are obsessive about things that hinder them. If, if your shoe is rubbing your foot wrong, you either fix it or get rid of it. If your shorts are bothering you, you fix them or you get rid of them. If anything's too heavy, you leave it behind. You don't bring it with you. If anything is going to slow you down or in any other way impede your primary goal of finishing the race well, you ditch it. How much more <laughs> our life of faith? If, if anything is hindering us from following Jesus more faithfully, it's got to go. It's got to go. If anything's impeding our relationship with God, it's got to go. Throw off, ditch everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles you ever had like some string or I don't know if this happens in sewing because I'm not a sewer, maybe some yarn or thread or some fishing line or maybe a kite line. I mean, some kind of line that just ended up in a complete tangled ball of mess. You know what I'm talking about, right? And you're, you're, you know the feeling of frustration because whatever it was that you wanted to be doing, you are currently not doing because the only solution is to sit down and patiently untie all these knots and work out this incredible mess that's right here. That's that word. The sin that so easily entangles. Did you know that sin can have that impact on a human life? Sin can cause everything to get all knotted up in a huge mess and suddenly you find yourself not doing what you want to do because what you have to do is sit down and untangle this massive mess. Leave that behind, right? The sin that so easily entangles. So point one, remember the people of faith who've gone before us. Remember their example and their encouragement. Throw off hindrances. Then the next point, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Did you know that as followers of Jesus, there is a race marked out for us? I take this, uh, to, uh, again, to have kind of a double meaning. Of course, there's a general race marked out for us, and that is that God wants everyone everywhere to come to a knowledge of the truth and to be saved, to come back to Jesus. That's the general race marked out for us in Christ. And I believe that God has kind of a specific race marked out 
for us. Says the scripture, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. There's a a race marked out for us. We have purpose in this life. God has given us purpose in this life. To each and every follower of Jesus, God gives a unique purpose, right? There's something God wants to accomplish in this world for which you are uniquely suited and gifted to help. What a thing. And, and, and some of us have this default thing in our mind that says, well, maybe other people will get that special thing, but not me. Nope, you're wrong, biblically. You got a special thing. God has given you grace, a special grace for something unique in the world. You know, God put you together just like he wanted to put you together. There's a race marked out for us. It takes effort to run well. And it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Uh, It was 20 years ago, almost exactly, when I ran the Chicago Marathon, it's, it's the third week of October, so it was just 20 years in a week or two, something like that. I had trained for a couple of years to run this, my first marathon. I was in great shape. I was hoping for a 7.30 pace because that was, that was a sustainable pace for me back then, not even close to that now. But that was, a, that was my hope for 26 miles, and it was within reach until I got sick two days before the race. Fever sick, not just a cold sick. The fever broke the night before the race. I was in Chicago with friends, a, a married couple, the wife of whom was a nurse. She said, if you've got a fever morning of, it's no, it's no fly zone, do not run. The fever broke the night before at nine. I thought, I'm going for it. If you ever find yourself in that situation, don't do that. Go home and come back the next year. It was brutal, brutal. I was just plodding along in this marathon. I hit the 18-mile wall at mile four. I got passed by Elvis and a dude in a gorilla suit. (laughs) I stopped twice to excuse my way through the crowd to take a nap in a park, a grassy area that I saw. It took me five hours to run that thing. It was brutal. And there was a blessing in it. That race became for me a five-hour master class in perseverance. Every step of that thing for me represented a decision not to quit. And at 2,000 steps per mile, that's 52,400 decisions not to quit. And that changes you. Back then, I just wanted to finish the marathon, right? But but again, how much more might we have that perspective to our faith and that to which the Lord is calling us? But that's hard. It's a marathon. You know, sometimes you can just take a couple deep breaths and make it through a sprint. Not so with a marathon. You, You have to find your stride. You have to think about how you're breathing. You have to nourish yourself along the way. So how do you do that as a Christian? 
How do we maintain a marathon commitment to Christ amidst all the difficulty and challenges of life? Gladly, the text tells us at least how to start. We do that by fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's how we do it. At least that's step one. We look to Jesus. We, we fix our eyes. We set our gaze on Jesus, who not only endured the cross and deep opposition from people, uh, all for the purpose of blessing those very people. Right? He endured all of that, and he shows us the way. We look to Jesus. There's a basic life skill. I, uh, I hope that you've learned it. My dad taught it to me when I learned to ride a bike. And then it was reiterated in my driver's ed class when I was 16 learning to drive a car. And the life lesson is this. You go where you look. You ever learn that? Like when you're riding a bike, uh, this has happened with my boys. I see them going, hey, look over there. And you know what happens. They steer this way. And I'm thinking, there's a telephone pole there. When you check your blind spot driving the car, you know, you look this way. You have to consciously compensate to not drift into that lane, don't you? You go where you look. You tend to drift the direction you're looking. So, spiritually, fix your eyes on Jesus and you'll drift that direction. Fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, it really struck me uh, this week that of all of those people listed in Hebrews 11, often called the heroes of faith, while I think their example is heroic, I think if we call them the heroes of faith, that tends to put them in a different category than you and me. Kind Kind of puts them way out there, and I went, oh, I'm just me, I'm just... What do I know? Look, the same opportunity that stood before all of those people mentioned in Hebrews 11 stands before each and every one of us right here, right now, this day. We all have the gift of life just like they did. We can demonstrate faithfulness to God no matter our circumstances just like they did. They were called to live by faith, and they did. They weren't perfect examples by any means. If you spend any time in the Bible, you see that's very clear. But they were living examples. We are called to live by faith, and with the Spirit's help, we can. We actually can. We won't be perfect examples, but we will be living examples. We can be. And just like we look to the example of an encouragement of the saints who have gone before us, so those after us will look to us. So let's be good examples. We live under a bright and beautiful cloud cover, a cloud of witnesses. Throw off 
whatever hinders your faith, run with perseverance, and look to Jesus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pray with me, would you? Lord, we bless you and thank you that you give us not only your spirit, but uh, the example of others who have gone before us, who have walked by faith and demonstrated what it means to have confidence in, in what we hope for and assurance as to what we do not see. Father, cause our faith to grow. Help us to walk with you in confidence and assurance, not by our own strength, but, but by the faith you have given us. In the valleys of darkness, help us to live by the light that we received on the mountaintop. In the times of pain and struggle and trial, help us to live by those moments when we have known without a doubt your goodness and graciousness and compassion. Help us, God. We love you, and we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.